Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today, we're doing something I love to do, which is learning about a country I haven't been to. Even better, this country keeps showing up in lists as an up-and-coming travel destination. The country, Slovenia. And here to tell us about it is Miha Gantar, founder of Slow Trips, a boutique Slovenian tour operator that specializes in active and adventure holidays. Hi, Miha. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's I'm happy to be here, and I, I'm super happy with the presentation or the introduction that you've made. It's so nice to hear from, from you. Well, I'm excited to learn more about Slovenia. Uh, I actually worked with a guy from Slovenia for like five or six years. And so I learned about how great Slovenia is and I've read the articles. Um, but it's different from actually, you know, living there uh, and bringing, you know, all these guests around. And so why do you think Slovenia keeps showing up on these lists as like one of these up and coming travel destinations or a place you have to add to your bucket list? I was thinking, you know, about about this, and um, there there are two ways of putting it. So one way, of course, the 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 media they need the bucket list and so on. Yes, every every year they have a different bucket list. But what I find uh, why Slovenia is so so great as a destination is because of its variety. You know, so you have very like you have a lot of things on a very small space. So you would, you would be driving an hour and you would completely see a different. Uh, landscape uh, from the mountains to the wine region to the seaside. This is what I find the main attraction uh, of Slovenia as a country. Plus, of course, it's not as popular and not as busy as uh, some other famous neighbors like Croatia or Italy, Tuscany and so on. Yeah, I think people don't realize that Slovenia is just kind of tucked between these kind of two tourism heavyweights. And so people kind of go through it and it's like, well, Italy's fantastic. Croatia's fantastic. That country between is also going to be fantastic. The travelers that come to Slovenia are usually very well traveled. So as a, an, Amer an American or as a Canadian, you know, when you go overseas, you go to Europe, you, you first go to France, you go to Italy, you go to these famous destinations, you know, but then you, you, you search for something new, something different, you know, something that not, not, not everybody has been to and so on. And then probably Slovenia pops out some, sometimes. And most of the people who come are super happy and super excited. And um, they tend to say it was one of the, the, their best trips ever. So apparently we do something well. And Italy and Croatia known for great food, great wine. What's the food like in Slovenia? Like, can people expect a similar type of cuisine? Uh, I've, again, I've heard great things and you read great things about Slovenian food. But, you know, what are like the national dishes or, you know, the great local wines that people can try? Well, Slovenia is in a melting pot of cultures. So we have Mediterranean part in the south or southwest. Then on, in the north, we're a bit more, a bit closer to German and Austrian cuisine. In the east, we're closer to the Hungarian cuisine. So it depends on where you go. You're going to try different dishes. But surely the northern part is a bit more meat-based, uh, so a bit heavier food, whereas the south is a bit, or the southwest is a bit lighter, a bit more closer to the Italian Italian varieties. What I find that's amazing about Slovenian cuisine, especially especially in the in the last years, is that many local chefs 
have based their, uh, their menus on, um, on local ingredients. So they tend to use a traditional local ingredient, ingredients and do something with them in a bit more modern, contemporary way. And that's, that's really nice. And we have lots of, lots of kind of like field to fork or farm to fork places where you can really get uh, great uh, locally produced homegrown food and produced and cooked with, with a lot of passion and soul and love. You know, I think that's better. Not only, you know, I grew up, I spent my summers on a farm. I love local produce. So it's better not only in terms of flavors, but also just for sustainability, like having, you know, eating the place where you're living means that, you know, you're helping local communities, local farmers, you know, you're reducing the greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, it's great to hear that's happening in Slovenia. I know it happens in little pockets of places here in Canada, but uh, it's still, you know, still not, not, not that popular. Yeah, Slovenia, Slovenia definitely is doing is doing good in this in this direction. Um, there are lots of uh, chefs are having their uh, relationships with farmers directly. You know, some are some restaurants even have their own their own fields. You know, where they're growing their own vegetables and so on. For example, the most famous uh, restaurant in Slovenia, Hisha Franco, they have their own farmers, foragers, shepherds, and everything. You know, who who produce stuff for them in a in a sustainable, organic way. Uh, that sounds really great. Like, uh, I'm glad I had breakfast. Otherwise, I'd just be <laughs> getting hungry right now. Um, you talked a little bit about the variety. And so kind of looking at maybe the, you know, outdoor or active component of a holiday, what are some of the uh, must-do activities while you're, you know, while a person's visiting Slovenia? So if you're active, then you can come to Slovenia for different sorts of activities, right? So what, how I would uh, put them into, let's say, bullet points or, or ideas would be, one would be hut-to-hut hiking, um, which means that you're hiking with your, with your backpack, carrying it from one hut to another hut. Uh, the huts are staffed, they have kitchen, they have food, but uh, they're quite basic. Sometimes the toilet is a bit, a bit um, on a not as comfortable side. Or how would you, <laughs> how would you put that? You know, so no, no flush toilets, but pit toilets. Um, uh, sometimes you have dormitory rooms. Sometimes you have private rooms. But you're out in the nature. You're away from everything. You will not see a road or anything man-made except for the mountain huts where you will sleep, right? And and uh, the mountain scenery is amazing. You will have those limestone peaks, like similar to the Dolomites, you know, for the people who have who have been there. Really, really beautiful alpine landscape. I would dare to say one of the most beautiful in in, in the Alps. And then another another sort of active travel in Slovenia is a point to point hiking journey, which means that you don't sleep in the mountain huts. You sleep in hotels or villages or bed and breakfast and so on. It's a bit more comfortable because you have your own bathroom, you have your dinners and beers and wine and every, everything you want to have in terms of comfort. We can transfer your luggage from point A to point B. But in this case, you're not so much out in the back country. You know, there's always maybe a road every now and then you will cross a road a couple of times per day, which is also good in case you get tired, in case you're, the weather is bad, in case you cannot finish the stage and so on, and you, you just call a taxi and get get the shuttle to the to the next accommodation, right? The third way of active travel in Slovenia when we talk about hiking would be you sleep in the hotels and you do day hikes from the base. So we have several different ways of doing that, either self-guided or guided, uh, small groups, you know, their departures throughout the summer, 
that you can use and do and do such um, such day hikes, you know, and also enjoy the 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 food and the comfort of the villages and the mountains and everything. What I like a lot uh, in all maybe not alpine parts of the country is uh, e-biking or biking in general. But for people who are not super fit, I will really recommend e-bikes because uh, there are lots of hills. If you want to go away from the traffic, you will hit into st steep slopes and, and so on. So if you're not young and fit and, uh, and athletic, you're going to like your e-bike. And, and that's the place where we can really go, let's say, into the into the countryside to the farmers to the winemakers to all sorts of local craftsmen or people or my grandmother let's say you know and you really get in touch with with locals in an active way so you can travel around by bicycle and you 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 get to see a lot you get to see different landscapes and you get to connect with people uh, those all sound sound incredible i want to go back and ask some questions and i want to start with the hut to hut i am in love with going you know, hut to hut in the Alps. Um, and one thing, and again, I've never been to Slovenia, so I'm wondering how it compares to like Italy or France. And what I always liked about the huts is, you know, they were basic, but you'd still get an incredible meal. And, you know, compared to backpacking here in the Rockies where you have something with, where you add hot water, it was like gourmet food. And, you know, you could still buy a beer or buy a soda. And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, when you're hiking or trekking, the most important thing is like having good meals. And in other mountain huts in Europe, that's like the best part. Is it the same in Slovenia that you can still get really good, you know, dinner meals and breakfasts? I have to disappoint you here, Richard. Oh no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, you know, the mountain huts are pretty basic, to be honest. They're in 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 Italy, for example, it's much different because they have those roads built, you know, and and the cable cars uh, and so on to the to the mountains. And it's easier to bring uh, supplies in. In Slovenia, most of the mountain huts have uh, only helicopter access, you know, for supplies. They are more basic. So you can get your pasta, you can get your stews, you can get your simple dishes, but don't expect any culinary surprises there, you know. So be ready for a basic thing and then you'll be happy, you know. If you expect um, culinary pampering, mountain huts are not your thing in Slovenia. But but on, on the other hand, you know, um, what, uh, what's, what's nice about this is that there's fewer people there, you know. Uh, when you compare it to, to Italy, because of all the road access and all the cable car access and so on, there's lots of people up in the mountains. Here in, in Slovenia, it's not like that, you know, and it's, it's quite easy to get off the beaten track and be hiking all alone. Um, and, and yeah, from this perspective, you also need to be a little bit more fit because you cannot simply get a cable car to the top of the mountain and then just walk around there. You will need, what, what I say usually is that in Slovenia, you need to earn your views. So you need to be, you need to be fit and you need to hike, you need to sweat a little bit, and then you're going to get your, your reward. And, you know, just hearing how, you know, the huts are more remote, there's fewer people, you know, that, that is kind of a benefit because, you know, the best part of staying in these huts is, you know, when the day hikers go and you have these incredible views just to yourself, you know, watching the sunset with a beer or, you know, maybe you have, you know, some flavor crystals in your water if, if you can't get a beer, you know, that and then watching the sunrise. That's like a really special moment that at least in North America, it's really hard to get that experience unless you're backpacking in the Alpine, which even here in Canada, most of the campsites aren't, you know, aren't in the Alpine because it's just too cold. 
Um, so even with the food, the food still sounds pretty good. It sounds, <laughs> you know, it, it sounds better than, you know, instant noodles uh, with some sort of little MSG crystals. Um, but it does, you know, just having these remote experiences are really, are really special. What I usually recommend to travelers coming to Slovenia and they want to do a trekking, I would say three nights in the mountain huts, maybe four nights maximum is already enough, you know, because sometimes they come with a wish. They want to do hut to hut trekking for 10 days and they want to spend so and so many nights in the mountain huts. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit difficult and I'm quite sure they will they will have enough after four days in the mountains, you know. Partly because of the comfort, partly because the scenery will not change as much, you know. And um, what we tend to do for people who really like long distance trekkings, we split them in two, in two parts. So they would hike one mountain chain for three or four, or four days. This is the ridge between Austria and, and Slovenia. Then they can come down to the valley for a night or two so they can spoil themselves a little bit with a night uh, in a restaurant with a with a swim in the lake and so on. And then you can go for three and four or four nights again to the mountains in a different mountain chain with a bit different views and a bit different experience. So that's my recommendation. And that sounds great. It's always when you get into a town and you can have your shower. That's like often the most delicious part of of uh, of trekking. Uh, talking about the mountains and these and this and this, you know, these hikes. Is this mostly above tree line? Like, are you up high with great views? Is there a lot of time spent in the valley bottoms? Uh, what what can people expect? It's mostly above the tree line. So let's say the trailheads in the in the national park in the Triglav National Park are mostly on the edge of the tree line. So you you can expect to walk the first three hours or so uh, below the tree line, but then most of uh, the rest of the the journey would be above the tree line, and then the last couple of hours again below the tree line. So it's kind of like it's kind of like this transition from forests. To, to what we call mountain meadows, you know, where the shepherds bring or, or the farmers bring their cows in the summer to save the grass in the lowlands for, for the wintertime. So uh, you would pass those mountain meadows and then you're up above the tree line and there's just like rocks and maybe some grass and, and pretty like high altitude mountain views. And you mentioned uh, the mountains of Slovenia resemble or part of the Dolomites chain. So is that kind of throughout all of Slovenia's mountains? They'll have this, you know, this rugged limestone, beautiful Dolomite-esque mountains? Well, not, not, not all of the Slovenian mountains. The highest mountains in Slovenia, or, or where the Triglau National Park is located, th that, that part is quite similar to the, to the Dolomites, in, up to a certain extent, you know. There's less roads, there's less traffic. Uh, we only have one mountain pass or two mountain passes, whereas the, the, the Dolomites, you have like infinity of those, right? Um, and, and then when you start hiking, you're already away from the road. So, uh, in terms of, of ruggedness and, and the color, yes, they're similar to the Dolomites. Uh, well, that sounds incredible because, uh, the Dolomites have to be for me, one of the most beautiful set of mountains. Like they're just, I remember the first time I went, I was like, I can't believe this exists. And it would just, <laughs> it, it kind of blew me away. So, uh, what it sounds to me is like almost, you know, that part of Slovenia is, if you want to get away, because, you know, the Dolomites are just like it's 100% capacity in most towns and getting mountain huts is tough. It sounds like here's an option if you want to get away from maybe all the people and the roads, nip into Slovenia and you can have a very similar experience, but actually have kind of a an experience without maybe all the infrastructure, um, which, you know, for some people, I know they hate walking around roads or chairlifts like they really hate that. You're right there. But we also have to say... Uh, 
uh, and be honest about it you know in the peak season the 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 most um, touristy places in the slovenian mountains are also super busy you know so there will be a couple of places where um, it can feel crowded but as long as you as long as you leave the the trailhead and you go and you start hiking and so on i personally have never felt like whoa there's so many people around here there are some yes you know but it's not it's not overcrowded once you leave the parking lot. Because, yeah, let's be honest, most of the people want to have it the, the easy way, right? To come by car, have the view, take the Instagram shot and go back home, you know? So that's where we want to do different, you know, and we want to be active. And we, we, we would like the travelers who come to Slovenia to, to walk and to see and to experience um, not by car, but uh, by bike and on foot. You mentioned uh, location to location hiking. And so, you know, can you explain maybe a little bit, is it going to be in different terrain in, uh, in Slovenia? Yes. Uh, so the location to location hiking, which means, let's say, hotel to, to hotel hiking, if you want to put it, um, is not at such high elevation as the trekkings, right? As the hut to hut hiking. The mountain huts are, are mostly above the tree line or at, on the edge of the tree line, whereas the, the hotels are mostly in the valleys. So in the point-to-point hiking or hotel-to-hotel hiking, um, you would hike in lower elevations. It's more green. You would follow a river. You will you will hike up to a let's say a forested plateau. You know, with occasional views, but definitely more forest. Uh, some villages on the on, on the way. You know, some places, of course, where you also come to a parking lot and some some place that gets a bit more crowded because it's so beautiful and and, and you can park here actually uh, park at that place um so it's a bit more of a camino de santiago uh feeling you know but in an alpine in an alpine uh, surroundings right so you would be you would be follow, following trails for let's say 90% of the time but there are some some sections on gravel roads or asphalt or through villages and so on and I guess, you know, the, the real benefit is you don't have to carry your bags. And, you know, if you're used to backpacking, the first time you're just carrying a day pack and all your stuff shows up at your hotel, it's like, it feels like the most incredible thing. And and, and then you also get to see small villages. Like you get to see a different part of Slov- Slovenian life. Correct, correct. So this is this is for people who want to have it, who want to hike a, b- a bit more comfortably. We, t- we transfer their luggage, they, they only carry their small backpack, you know, if, if there's a shitty rainy day, can I say shitty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, you can skip the stage and you can get a transfer to your next location. And what I really like about these point to point journeys, you know, is that if there's a section that's uh, nicer to do on a bike, we can arrange that, you know? So you can you can walk the first three days, for example, and then you bike for a, st- for a day or two, and then you, then you can hop on a rafting boat and you, and, and you, and you go down the river for, for an hour or two hours, and then you continue walking or biking. And it can be really a, a nice journey without using any, any transfers. Uh, and you're seeing different different landscapes from from the Alps to the to the Adriatic Sea, if you want. You know, go, going on a river or going on a lake to get around. Uh, I love that idea. I've never done that. That sounds really great. One thing, and this is I don't know if it's just me, but my favorite part of kind of village to village hiking 
is always like what's going to be in the next village. And so I never like to like I never go on Google to see what's there because it's like I want to see like, oh, will they have a good bakery? Will they have a, a good restaurant? What's like the central square? And because every village is different, like that's, you know, we're never surprised in our life anymore. But when you do these village to village hikes, you get surprised at every village. And, you know, especially if you go through a village at lunch, you're like, oh, man, there's this great you know, great patisserie. And I got this, you know, great coffee. And there's just all these little joys that are just, you know, so nice. So it's, you know, it's nice up high, but even when you're down low, just all these things that you don't expect and you end up trying different food or different drink. And uh, uh, for me, at least it makes me feel like I'm really connecting with the places I'm traveling through. For sure. You get to see how people live, you know, how, what the locals do, how do they live, how, what their houses are like and so on. Whereas up in the mountains, in the trekkings, you know, in the in the Triglav National Park, you don't see anything. Well, you you see nature, pure nature, right? Uh, but no cultural cu- cultural aspects of of it. Now, the last one you mentioned was being based in like one or two centers and doing day hikes, and I think that's for North Americans especially. This is how we typically explore the mountains of you know Western North America. You get based in kind of a mountain town, or you're camping somewhere. Every day you drive or take a bus and go do a hike. Uh, I'm interested how it works in in Slovenia. Well, what uh, in this case, I think you can, of course, do it on your own. You can rent your car and, and be based in one place or a couple of places and then drive around and do day hikes in, in different regions. What we do a lot, we have throughout the summer, we have uh, set departure dates, you know, that people, individuals, couples, friends can join. And, uh, and we, we are based in towns and then we do day hikes, right, in, in different parts of, of the Slovenian mountains or, or also, also closer to the, to the wine region and so on. So um, this is the most comfortable way of exploring because you don't have to change accommodation every night, right? You don't have to unpack and pack every day. So you're, you're based in your hotel after breakfast. You, you get maybe half an hour or one hour drive to, to a different trailhead. You do the hike, you get, to, you get to see different landscapes, you get to experience different foods. We always take uh, our travelers to, to nice, special local providers. Um, and, and I feel that's a really, a really nice way of, of comfortably traveling the country in an active way. Uh, I've done it before where you try and use like the local bus system, which is, you know, they're usually great. But when you have to get to a specific trailhead, you can spend a couple hours every day just trying to figure out how to get to a bus and where to get off and where to get on or maybe to change buses. But if you've got that, you know, if you've got a guide and you've got the uh, the transfers every morning and, and afternoon, it like makes you way more efficient to kind of get around. So you're spending more time outdoors hiking and less time trying to get to and from the, the starting point. For sure. For sure. So if you if you want to come to Slovenia and depend on public transport, Look, if you're a student and you have loads of time and no money, of course, go for it, right? But if you're willing to spend a little bit more, then you either rent a car uh, or join a, join a small group departure, you know, where you have everything settled. And, uh, and, and for North Americans coming to Slovenia, you know, it's such a small country, you know, and, uh, and you can explore a lot in a week. You can, get to, you can get to experience and see and do different things in one week in different landscapes. I really recommend to to not to spend your time in the buses, waiting for the buses for those connections, you know, because you're never going to get to the trailheads. You will come, you will get between towns, but not not to the places where you want to go for the hikes. Yeah, exactly. It's the same here in the Rockies. That for most of the good hikes, you got to have a car. You just can't get there any other way. Um, 
You talked a bit about cycling. Uh, I love, you know, I love road bike riding. I'm a terrible mountain biker, um, but I'm interested in hearing about e-bikes because like even my parents are now talking like they're in their late 70s. They love e-biking around here in Calgary. They're talking about going on an e-bike trip. And so if people are talking about going for their first e-bike trip when they're 78, it's definitely like gaining popularity. They've never done a cycling holiday. They've never gone cycling for more than probably two hours. Um, but so what's what's e-biking or road bike riding like in Slovenia? Well, since you mentioned the e-bikes, you know, this has really opened so, so, so many options for biking in Slovenia. Because, of course, biking is nice if you're not on the main road. So if you're if you're biking the side roads, the village roads, you know, and, and get away from the traffic. And uh, when you do that in Slovenia, you bump into hills, uphills, downhills, you know, and it's difficult to bike if you're not super fit. But now with e-bikes, you know, we can go into those little villages, into the mountain roads, into, into, into the countryside, really enjoy it. And, uh, and, and it's, it's possible to, like the e-bikes allow this to, to, to a wider public, including your parents or, or people who are that age, right? Um, and, and I think Slovenia is really a perfect destination for that. And when we spoke before about being, like, places being crowded or not, Maybe it can get crowded at the trailheads because everybody uses the same trailheads to go up to the mountains. But when you bike, you will never feel that you're in a crowded place because you will go away from everybody else, right? You will go into the wine regions. You will go into the countryside. With e-bike, you can explore so many things in different parts of Slovenia that are really not on the tourist map, especially um, I'm talking about eastern Slovenia, southeast or the northeast, you know, there are off the tourist map completely and by e-bike you can do you can do so nice biking trips around there stay with locals stay at local farms eat really tasty local home produced food you know and that's that's i think one of the major things that's going to happen in the near future in slovenia uh, that people will come here for for e-biking in the places that are now off the beaten track still mm. and and like on an e-bike trip, what's the average distance, you know, people will cover each day? Well, look, most of the, depends on the age. So, but uh, most of the people who come e-biking, they're not really fond bikers. They don't want to be the whole day in the saddle, right? Uh, so I'd say 40K, 40 kilometers a day with some stops in between with a visit of the beekeeper, visit of the, of the winemaker, visit of this or that farm and so on. And taking it easy, enjoying the countryside, meeting some locals, maybe stopping at a local museum or or visiting a cheesemaker or talking to a stonemason or just talking to the person that you that you that you meet on the street and you pass his garden and you you, you interact, right? Um, and it's not so much when we talk about e-biking, it's not so much about distance and so on. It's about taking it easy, enjoying, and having fun. That's my my way of seeing that. Yeah, the way you described uh, a day e-biking, I think that's what makes biking in general so nice is that you can cover a bit more ground. So, you know, if you're on foot, you know, you can get to the village, you can maybe see something, but you're not going to take a one or two kilometer detour up a road to see something. Whereas on a bike, you know, it's almost the perfect speed because you're never so fast that you can't look around. It's easy to stop. You don't have to find parking or, you know you know it's you can stop whenever you want but you can cover enough ground that you can kind of get from place to place to place uh it's a really attractive way to travel and explore 
almost anywhere uh, that's not too mountainous because, you know, going up really steep slopes. Although actually, when I was in Switzerland last year, I saw two people going up, like it was like a thousand meter climb and they just popped up like flying up at the top. You know, they were, you know, my parents, not probably, they were probably in their mid or late sixties and they just gone up this super steep path that like we're using poles to get down and I thought holy crow these people are have like e-mountain bikes and they're doing some pretty hardcore terrain so I guess even e-bikes are now kind of influencing you know people that are doing kind of more technical uh, mountain biking for sure for sure that too so what do you hear from guests you know people that come to Slovenia and it's their first trip like are they surprised about anything or do they all mention something similar yeah for sure they are they're surprised about the food about the wine about about how green it is, about how diverse it is, about how nice the people are. Um, look, I'm, maybe I'm setting the expectations too high now. So, <laughs> but look, generally speaking, you know, when when people hear Slovenia, okay, let's go to Slovenia, they don't expect much. Maybe I don't know. I don't know why do people decide to come to Slovenia. But I, I what I know is when they do come, they're super happy that they they, they chose Slovenia as a destination because because honestly, it's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, as you say, it, it packs a punch. You have kind of all these different things. So if you go for, you know, a week, you can see a lot of different stuff. Whereas some places you go and it's like, okay, it's really beautiful, but it's a week of seeing the same thing again and again, but differently. Um, is there a favorite place where, you know, where you where you take guests where they, you know, everyone says, oh, this was a real highlight out of, you know, out of Slovenia or out of all their travels? Hard to say. It's hard to say because everybody has their own highlights, of course. Um, for example, traveling in May or early June, I would definitely recommend western part of Slovenia because it's because um, it's still not as busy as it gets uh, then later in the in the peak summer months. If you're traveling in the peak summer months, it does get pretty busy in the western part of the country, especially Lake Bled, Vršić mountain pass, which is the main mountain pass crossing the Julian, Julian Alps. The Socha Valley gets quite busy too. And if you want to escape the crowds, I recommend doing some biking tours in the eastern part of the country. It can either be southeast or the northeast, doesn't matter. It's all wine country, it's beautiful countryside. There's lots of super friendly locals uh, and really nice place for for point-to-point e-biking tours. Now, Miha, I can't can't end without asking this question. What is your favorite hike to do in Slovenia? So you're choosing just for yourself or what is one? Because actually, I'm thinking now I could never choose one here for the Rocky Mountains. But what is one that you just think is spectacular? Oh, I've stumped Miha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I would probably if I had a couple of days, a couple of days free just for me, I would either go on a, on a gravel biking trip in in the eastern part of the country wherever but if we if we want to talk about hiking i would probably do the caravanke ridge crossing that would be a hot to hot hike for three to four days and that's the border between slovenia and austria so this one is a little bit off the beaten track it's not busy um you're not so high in the mountains as you are in the julian alps but the views are great the views are amazing well, Miha, thanks for coming on the podcast today and sharing everything about Slovenia. Uh, it does sound just like this incredible place to kind of get everything, get the ocean, get rivers, get lakes, get mountains, get food, get wine, get culture, uh, all in this, you know, 
tight little uh, uh, little package. So I, I just want to say thanks for sharing all this information. Well, thank you, Richard, for inviting me. And we welcome all the travelers who are willing to explore Slovenia in a sustainable way. Excellent. And so I'm going to put uh, links to some of the places Miha talked in the show notes uh, and definitely look look at the photos. Do some if, you, if this is the first you've heard of Slovenia, do a bit of research. Watch some videos on YouTube because I know when I first started learning about Slovenia like 10 years ago, I was like, I didn't know Slovenia. I didn't know what it was. And then it's like, holy crow, this is a really, um, a really special place and uh, uh, definitely a place to consider for your next trip to Europe. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.